Hello, my name is Dave Graney. I am an underworld musician of many years standing. I'm here to ask you to tune in to my fellow traveller, my comrade, Radio Caram. You're listening to Rowan Prant Method, where we talk all things fitness, mindset, well-being, performance, and lifestyle design so that you can live a high-performance life. On today's episode, we have Glenn Munzo, who is an AOD counsellor and founder of the Youth U program. Welcome to the show, Glenn. Thanks, man. No worries. So, tell me about the Youth U program. Um, there's so much to tell. Um, yeah, so the Youth U program um, is a, a holistic program um, that helps youth um, overcome the struggles with mental health, um, addiction, um, and I guess one component is like the counselling, uh, group mentoring, um, and then the other side is the physical aspect, so the gym, movement, um, all that sort of stuff. So it's all, I guess, wrapped into one 10-month program um, that helps someone focus on their, their mindset, um, their physical body, um, their mental health, um, and just really just, yeah, getting them out of the out of the shit, getting them, you know, and then getting them into a life that's, I guess, fulfilling and with purpose to help them, you know, achieve the things that, that they want to do as well. So I guess you could kind of say it's like life coaching, mentoring, gym, counselling, um, yeah, just, just so much, but I guess we're kind of going the direction of, of what the person needs and what they want. Um, and what they want to do with their life as well. So, you know, really just expanding and, and helping them heal all parts of themselves and their relationships in their life. Um, and then also motivating them so that they live a purposeful life and don't feel, I guess, restricted or feel like they have to downplay their life because of an addiction or because of a mental health issue. Um, and then I guess you know, breaking down the barriers and, and showing them that there still is time, that there still is hope and that, you know, they, they can still do whatever the hell they want with their life. So, so you pretty much answered my question. I was going <laughs> to ask, why is your approach so successful? Now, can you just tell everyone what the success rate is? <laughs> um, look, if if everyone, like people that come through, like if, if you do the whole 10 months and you, you do everything, there's no reason for them to to like fail so well everything you said is focused on future focus and mm. actionable steps that they can implement in their life for a successful life yeah compared to for example a rehabilitation program which might be a detox which people do but where do they go from there yeah so how yeah. many people do you deal with that have gone through detox programs for example um it look it, it just depends like if people obviously people come in at all different stages and stuff like that like if they feel that they need you know a a detox program at at the start or something like that then you know it's something that they might do for you know 7 14 days or or whatever and then they'll come see me straight away um but yeah it it really just depends on the actual person but you won't get as many coming through a detox kind of thing because we'll just get started straight away but in in the cases where people have you know i guess severe um you know, drug habits or whatever, and they kind of like need to be just away and they need to get it out of their system, um, then yeah, they'll kind of go off and go do a detox um, and then come back and get straight into the program anyway, so. Do you screen your clientele? Is there a particular demographic you look for? Um, I'll, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll sit down and have a meeting with them. I, I only want to work with people that want to help themselves. Um, so if someone's in there and they're being forced or their parents or girlfriend or whatever is forcing them and I feel that it's not going to be a fit, then then I won't. Um, again, I only want to work with people that, um, I guess, that are open to the idea of the mentor and counselling, gym, all that sort of stuff. Um, 
and that are ready to change because the last thing you want is you know to have a group of people that want to change and then someone being an absolute shithead so i i I will say no um to to some people because it is my space it's my community and if i personally can't thrive in my own community then then how can i expect the people that are in that space to you know have that same sort of energy and, and and thriving sort of you know um thing to go back and forth so um, there have there have been times where I've said you know I, I don't think this is going to be a good fit um, in terms of the program and what I offer and the space and the community that we have um, but you know majority of the people um, that come through want to change I kind of like feel like you know if, if I'm having a meeting and I've got to convince someone to change their lives um, then we probably like obviously there will be a little bit of you know, this is what we offer and, you know, this is how it will benefit your life, all that sort of stuff. But if, you know, if I've got to go for a whole hour um, meeting or like, you know, um, interview and I'm just like constantly feel like, you know, like a car salesman or something like that, like buy this sort of thing, then it's not going to work because people should know that obviously, you know, they want to get their life on tracks and they don't want to go be on drugs. So people should already you know want want better and i guess it's just like helping them and guide them with with what they want but if i'm spending a whole hour um trying to convince someone to better their life then it's just not going to work because i've done that in the past and then a week or two later they don't show up because they're not ready for it so yeah i love that you mentioned community because that's been such a popular topic that i've had with other guests so i know a lot of people we're talking about addiction but i know it's focused on mental health and other issues as well for young people yeah but there is a connection through substance use for so many people and when they get clean or get sober they've removed themselves from that situation it's very lonely mm. so are you providing like a, a different place for people to interact and what level of interaction do you offer yeah definitely like our, our community is massive like you know you wouldn't come into the the gym or our community in space and be like oh like you know clearly these people are you know going through struggles and stuff like that our community is massive and it's big um it's it's everything that i needed you know so when i was i guess creating it i looked at you know what were the things that i needed during my my stuff and and when i was getting off drugs and stuff like that so obviously it's a place that's non-judgmental it's a place that's that's fun it's got a lot of energy um it's a place where people can connect um yeah it's it's just a it's just an awesome space and and people really do love our vibe and community because no one's judging everyone's there to i guess get better um better themselves everyone's there for their own personal um benefits and reasons um but everyone supports each other so much as well so literally there's times where i got to kick people out because they won't leave and i've got to go home so <laughs> so this is at a physical facility yeah that yeah. um is this where everyone engages at yeah 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 so i've got my uh personal training studio so it's in a factory um so that's yeah that's my facility um then i've got yeah i've got my gym clients all that sort of stuff pt clients and then i've got the guys in my program as well so it's all integrated into one which was always like really important for me because i know for me for instance when i was you know on my order and i was doing community work it was like okay criminals or you know um people that were on their order or like literally all the way at the back of the factory so the people that were walking in couldn't see that people were on their order doing that so there was a big sep- there's a big separation we had our lunch times different compared to the actual workers we couldn't see the people coming in so you know if if we separate or divide our community like that there's always going to be issues so um you know i guess for me it was all about i guess integration because i'm like at the end of the day like 
clients that I train and people in my program like that could be their son that could be their brother that could be their cousin or whatever but it's that whole integration and realising that everyday people go through shit as well um, everyday people have you know their struggles their traumas all that sort of stuff and we don't really need to divide society because I know for me you know when I was getting my life on track I, I had I don't know why but I had this you know weird perception as like them and us um and i kind of fell into that and then it wasn't it was only till i guess got a little bit older and met a lot of people all that sort of stuff i just realized it doesn't come from any background like you know um the teachers that that i hated and um judged you know went through similar things and that's why they became teachers you know things like this so yeah it just opened up my my mindset um and yeah community is just yeah so important i think we shouldn't shouldn't be judging and just yeah integrate it all i think those are important values for anyone in the community because there's so much segregation and separation and stigma mm. attached with addiction or any any issue that is considered outside of the norm yeah that you're putting everyone together as like one tribe yeah yeah definitely so which which is important you know so i guess because it, anyone can learn from each other right so um that's that's the importance of that so having that community where no one's judging and everyone's together um and you know there's there's no reason for me to have you know a special gym class just for the people in my program or a special gym class just for you know my gym clients like to me that doesn't make sense so um integrating everyone together just makes it one strong community so when we have fundraisers when we have running events um you know if, if someone's struggling or, or whatever it is we have that tight support you know that that community um and it just shows people as well that sometimes that that judgment that you know that we perceive in society like it isn't really there like you know i, I used to you know think that a lot you know they don't understand us or they're just judging us or they're just looking at us differently but it was actually me i was judging them i was looking at them differently so it was just kind of like a whole mirror what i thought they were doing like i was doing to them so it's yeah i, I just think it's really important just to integrate the communities and just make everyone as one because you can learn from everyone's story you can you can learn from everyone so um yeah it's, it's definitely a, a massive value uh, within the program and, and, and even for myself as well you know I, I think you know I tell these guys all the time as well that in my program to go out in different communities and learn like always be open and don't judge because once you talk to people you you will find you know some similar you know um, common grounds yeah. well connection is such a value that everyone needs to fulfill and I guess as you said well as I mentioned when people do get clean or they do stop engaging in uh, recreational drug use or addiction or whatever it may be mm. what does their life look like after that and that's where a lot of people are left alone in their room and they're like who do I associate with now they're cut off from society to a degree and it's, yeah. it's sort of self-imposed but you're giving them a space where they can integrate back into the world yeah and that's probably a credit to why it's so successful yeah because look it, it is important because you know when we're trying to get clean all that sort of stuff then we get bored we get lonely we go we go back to what we know whether it's good or bad because going back to what we know or what we've been doing is it creates some sort of safety because you know we, we know what's happening there's certainty in that um so 
you know, it's, it's I guess breaking that that pattern and that cycle and showing people that there is safety in healthy communities as well. Um, and it doesn't have to. You don't have to be in such a destructive, you know, shit like community or around people that are only gonna, I guess, um, bring you down and not want the best for you as well. And, and a part of your growth and a part of your evolution, you are gonna meet people along the way um, that are gonna push you to the next level so that you continue to grow. You know, being involved in a community that um will essentially make you make you better match up to that environment as well because you think of you know when someone first comes into my community they might you know maybe they've never done gym before maybe they've never done counseling before maybe they've never been around other people that aren't using drugs like i know for me when i was getting off drugs i literally didn't know one person that wasn't using drugs so for them to be around people like fit healthy people people moving around people that are that are strong people that are doing the things that they want to do that that's obviously going to bring you some motivation and inspiration and hope that what what's possible is just like literally right in front of them so yeah well you mentioned you don't want to sell change to anyone Mm. they have to get to that point themselves what gets someone to that point where enough is enough and they're ready to actually take the plunge and change their life yeah like you know like when i i guess when i have the conversation with people like if if i got to spend a whole hour convincing then i just feel that it's not you know they're not ready yeah you know it's someone else that's kind of like brought them there as well um obviously everyone just goes through different stuff in their life um whether that's you know going to jail relapsing overdosing um dhs is taking their kids off them they've been kicked out homeless lost lost their job um suicide or suicidal thoughts um you know people close to them um you know just an overwhelm of stress you know so everyone is is different um you know i I know for for me like it was um getting caught by the cops for the first time um you know i've never been in trouble with the law then i got caught with the cops one um for the first time and then that led to you know like a jail sentence and then you know all that sort of stuff so um yeah it it, like it just depends on the person anyway well sorry that's what we had a technical issue (laughs) and (laughs) there it is but so how can someone encourage someone to get to that point? So you mentioned people obviously getting caught by the cops. That was your experience that you went through as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty common experience. It's a bit of a wake-up call to people that things are catching up with them. How, if Let's say you're a parent or a family member or a partner or someone. How could you encourage – is there a way to encourage someone to sort of fast-track their road to recovery or is it all come down to their own personal decision? Um Look, you can have those conversations. I think sometimes people are just scared to have those conversations. Like we we tiptoe so much around, you know, the people that we love and we can see that they're in pain. We see that they want to change and we see exactly what's happening, That we, but we tiptoe for ages until something serious happens. I think just having those honest conversations and, and actually tell them that you notice them and see their pain and all that sort of stuff, um, you know, because, you know, anyone that's using drugs knows that... Um, you know anyone using drugs doesn't want to be using drugs um so you know we i guess you know you just want to have those honest um conversations from you know a caring loving space um but you know if you get into the whole vibe of you've got to do this you've got to do this where you're kind of like i guess 
telling them or you know it becomes a little bit confrontational um in in, in that conversation then you know that's that's where we got to kind of yeah be careful as well but you would just do it like it was like your best friend or or someone that you loved closely to you on your level um and 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 share your concern from a from a space that you know that that you love and care not that you're disgusted in what they're doing or what the fuck are you doing or please check like you know all that sort of stuff so i think you just got to kind of check with with how you approach it as such as well um but honest communication there's nothing wrong with that i believe anyway i think you're you hit the nail when you spoke about non-judgment in your program and i guess Mm. parents and caregivers or whoever it may be that are invested in these people need to give that no judgment approach where they are supportive as opposed to enforcive yeah 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 definitely so it is. It, it is just really important to just be not judgmental because the person that is using the drugs or going through it already knows how shit it is. Like, you don't need to be reminded every single day how shit of a person you are or how shit it is to use drugs or how shit it is to be depressed, staying in your room and not having a job because th- that person is living that reality. So they would, they would actually know that. Um, you know, so, yeah, it's just about, I guess, yeah, being supportive and not judgmental. Um, yeah. So how much of it is it a coping strategy when people are using substances? Massively, you know, it's just like to to block out the the, the traumas and 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 everything that they're feeling. You know, it it literally takes you away from from the pain. Um, so, I guess the people that that are using, they're in a lot of pain, and they they can't that that is their coping mechanism using drugs to escape the pain that they're feeling. Um, or to face the reality of, of what's happening in their life right now. So, you know, I guess when it comes to getting your life on track or getting off drugs, you you got to feel the pain. Um, you got to learn how to navigate through that and learn so much about yourself um, on, on how to um, heal, you know, um, because if we just keep escaping, 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 then... Yeah, you're just you're running away from yourself essentially. So, in terms of your interventions, there's obviously talk-based therapy, which is healing from the pain, and then you're giving them behavioural interchanges such as yeah, personal yeah. training and stuff as well, fitness. Yeah, so like I guess you know like I mix it all up. So you know I got life coaching in there, counselling, uh, mentoring, all that sort of stuff. Because you know as as a counsellor, you can only I guess talk and. You know, you, you can't really be as directive. But if someone's in my program and they're fucking up and, and I know that they can be better, I'm going to step in more as a mentor and be like, hey, like, this is what you need to do. I'm not going to tiptoe around the idea of, oh, what do you think you should do? Or what yeah. do you think should happen? So I'm, I'm not going to do that. I, I, will, I will pull them up straight away and be like, look, like, you know better. I know you know better. So this is what we actually need to do. It's time to stop fucking around. You're at this age right now. Like, let's get your goals let's let's start doing what we need to do and i'm only saying this because at the start um i i promised you i was going to hold you accountable to this sort of stuff i already mentioned like what like what my role is and how i can best help you and if and if i just tiptoe around it and never pull you up on your shit then i'm doing you a disservice like i don't i'm not fulfilling what i said i would do I'm essentially i'm not helping you as much as i as i promised that i would at the start so you're effectively you're calling them on their shit and encouraging them to take action yeah 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 well you, you have to you have to yeah. because <laughs> you know when you're down that it's so easy to manipulate people and you know make people think that you're doing good because you're in a program when you're still messing around you're still using drugs you're still hanging around the wrong people you're still you know you, you're still fucking up so if people are on the program and I see them, you know, like really, really see them, then I'm going to pull them up. Um, 
you know, or if they're falling back into, you know, different trains of thoughts or things that are a little bit more comfortable, um, then I'm going to pull them up as well. So, you know, that might ha- that might happen with relapses, that might happen with work, that might happen with them, you know, just settling with life um, because it just gets too overwhelming. Um, so if someone comes to me at the start and they say they want to do these goals and all this sort of stuff and you see the passion, you see the drive, you see where they want to go and then later on down the track they might relapse and then they just settle down in their life and, and they no longer have that ambition or strive to get to where they want to then then for me as a mentor like that's when i'm gonna be like hey like this is what we said we're gonna do like we were doing let's 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 focus like because there's no point i don't want people in my program to just settle you, you know and because i know if if i just settled I would have been depressed either way because I was just settling because I let my addiction, I let my mental health define the rest of my future and I didn't live my life that I didn't live the life that I wanted to live. I didn't do the things that I actually wanted to do. So, you know, if if I just played it safe um, within, within that, you know, comfort zone um, later on, it would have crept up on me because all that safety would have been a result of addiction, mental health, all that sort of stuff. But I think beyond that, those components that you're speaking of are relative to everyone, non-addicts as well. So many people are playing it safe in their comfort zone and they're not happy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, my my, my program could could definitely, you know, all the mindset stuff, everything could could be for anyone. You know, I, I, I guess I just target it you know, the people that I want to work with are the people that were in my situation. So people that were addicted to drugs, people that struggled with mental health, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, like like you just said, it, it could apply to literally anyone um, in terms of, you know, playing it safe, working on yourself, you know, doing the things that you need to do as well. So, so I had a question from Matt who was actually requesting, mm-hmm. why is it that rehabs, he believes that rehabs are in the money-making business where they want return customers? Yeah. So that's what he believes they're not successful for because a cured person's not going to come back as a customer again and they're charging yeah. thousands of dollars. What are your thoughts on that? So they're not coming back or well, so they, they do, do come back. Come so back. They, they want them to come back effectively so yeah. they have a return customer. Yeah. Well, you know, um, when I was on my order, so I was, I was on an intensive corrections order and um, so I did that for 18 months and I got 734 hours. So I actually thought I had... Like when I wrote my books and all that, I'm pretty sure I wrote 500 hours, but I was cleaning up some stuff and I found my old folder and it was actually more than what I thought. But anyway, everything on on the order was, nothing was for the future. Nothing was planned. You know, I was actually seen as an 85% to 95% chance of reoffending and going to jail. So I was 21 at the time and I was like, what? Like, how can that define the rest of my future? I remember being in, meetings um saying that these i wanted to be a personal trainer i want to get my life on track and you know it's like oh yeah that's nice everyone has goals i remember going to see psychologists and they're like because you're the middle boy and you know you mentioned that your dad drinks it's it this is this is normal for you to be an alcoholic I, really i never never drank then i don't even i don't drink now like i i, I literally do like i don't um I, 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 it's just never been a thing so I guess I do think a lot of rehabs and programs need to maybe change their systems on how they help people um, because it is setting them up for failure. Like, you know, just like, you know, 
prison programs, jail programs, you know, programs that I did on my order, all that sort of stuff. It, it was pretty much nothing was setting me up. Nothing was setting me up for my future or where I wanted to be. You know, I was just looked at as a, as a number, as a statistic. And it was pretty much just like any time I spoke about the future or, or how I actually felt, it was kind of like, you know, pushed down and just like, oh, yeah. We, yeah, we all have goals. Like, you know, like it was really? too far. Yeah, like it was too far re- reached. So I definitely see um, how people can get stuck in that in that loop. 100%. Well, I think anyone can benefit from having something positive to work towards and set their mind to. And particularly mm. people that have experienced addiction because where do they go from once they get clean or once they get sober? Yeah. So the, none of that was covered when, when your transition. No, nothing nothing was covered in terms of um because i had drug charges and stuff like that but there was nothing within my counseling or anything like that for what i was going to do next year and all that sort of stuff out of like an older lady very old not very old but older lady um that was probably in her 60s and gave me like you know sheets that you know they're like cartoons and like it, it, it it was just it was really bad it was really it was shit to be honest it was really shit so do you think those people had lived experience or were they textbook smart yeah definitely no lived experience um for me what i learned most on my order so i got put into a program so you know dan dan on corrections so you know there'd, there'd be hundreds of people on that yeah so they had a special program that was run by two psychologists and there was only 10 people for the program. So I remember two psychologists were literally assessing the whole of their non-corrections. And my corrections order said was like, you just got to do the interview, but there's no way you'd be accepted because this is more for like older people and, you know, people that had actually been to jail and stuff like that. Anyway, I ended up getting accepted into this program. Um, and, you know, the program started, it started about 10, 30, 11 because you know, literally all the other participants had to go low on the methadone program. So they had to, you know, go there and then come in. And I remember when I walked into my first session, it was just like a big circle and everyone was literally falling asleep. Like no one had their eyes open. And um, when I stepped into that, I was like, hey, how are you? And the psychologist was, you know, almost shocked because, you know, someone was a little, you know, up and alive. Um, but I learned a lot from those guys. Um I, I learned enough to sort of, I guess, because, um, you know, they passed on a lot of lessons, you know, don't, don't be like us sort of, sort of thing. Um, like look what we've done and, you know, they were like in their late forties and fifties and stuff like that, like, like serious, you know, criminals or serious, you know, they'd, they'd been through serious stuff, um, had some serious charges. So for me, you know, being in that environment so young, I was like, oh shit, like, you know, th- like this is you almost saw how easy it was to get there. Um, it, it, it wasn't so far-fetched. It wasn't like, oh, I'd never... Because while I was using drugs, I was like, I'll never be like that. But then when I got um, put onto this order, I saw that the gap wasn't really that. So that would have been pretty confronting, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, it was. It was confronting, you know, and just hearing their stories and all that sort of stuff, it was just so easy to see how you could get caught up in the system or the loop of coming back, coming back, coming back. Um, and it was so, yeah, it was just confronting because I was like, it, it's so easy to get there as well um, where, where they were. So I guess that I learned a lot just by observing Um you know, and just sort of just like listening to them, you know, throughout the course and just, um, 
yeah, I guess kind of just looking at them and saying, like, obviously I didn't want to go down that path. Like, yes, there were lessons that I learned off them, um, but then there was also another half of me was, you know, if if, if they can't um, take on what they're saying, then, you know, how how good is that advice as well? Yeah. Um, you so know, you were quite young when this you yeah. changed your path. Is early intervention a key component of success, do you think? Um, or could anyone at any point change? Oh, yeah. Anyone at any age can change. Um, early, early, The earlier the better, obviously, because you think about how long the destructive pattern has been going or how strong it is. Um, so the earlier the better. But I've, I've worked with some serious people that have been in serious cycles of addiction um, that are a lot older than me and and they've they've broken that and they're still free from that um, I've met so many like people that had like you know 20 30 year 20 30 you know um, year addictions and and broken that and never looked back and, and doing some really really awesome things with their life as well so I guess the connecting factor or one thing that I realized and one thing that I'm big on as well was just I guess the identity behind that like releasing the identity of being an addict um, because if you don't use drugs no more you don't need to call yourself an addict I believe um, I just think that's a key that. component because I know a lot of people are pushed away by things like NA AA Mm. because they always have to identify as an addict and they've yeah. always got that stigma and they're always a victim to the, the process yeah. of the substance forever. Yeah. Do you think it's more positive to focus on I'm a healthy individual now, like changing your identity to a healthy conscious person that chooses behaviours and habits that are beneficial to you as opposed to the stigma of an addict? Yeah, absolutely. Like, So um, when I wrote my first book, I was, I was doing um, the book tour around Australia and then as I was speaking and, you know, doing the signings and all that sort of stuff, people come up to me and be like, hey, man, nice to meet you. Um, you know, I'm, you know, John, I'm, I'm, I'm an addict um, for 10 years. I don't, I'm an addict. I'm clean for 10 years. And I was like, what? I was like, oh, okay, nice to meet you. And then, you know, next one would be someone else. Hey, I'm this. I'm an addict. I clean for this. And, uh, and, I, and it kind of just blew my mind because, uh, like, me... I never identified myself as an addict. I never called myself an addict. It was only until I started, you know, doing, you know, this sort of stuff or podcasts or interviews or newspaper, or whatever, then they would say, Glenn Munso, ex-drug addict. And I never, ever identified myself as an addict. Just never, just never did. It wasn't in my vocabulary. Um, and, you know, if we're talking about, I guess, the, the roles we play in society, you know, affirming statements, all that sort of stuff. Like if someone is literally just saying, I'm an addict, I'm an, I'm an addict, I'm an addict, I'm an addict, I'm an addict, I'm an addict. And they say that every time that they introduce themselves in, in any situation, then obviously, you know, your your belief system is just a thought that you've had over and over and over again. And if they just keep saying that, then, you know, if you strongly just believe that you're an addict and that's all that you are, how can you break free from addiction? And I know it's it's not disregarding people's, I guess, um, what they've been through as well, because I know it, it can be quite painful to hear someone say, release that because there's so much baggage behind that. But once you're no longer using drugs, there's literally no reason for you to call yourself an addict anymore. So how could they describe themselves? What would be the shift? What wording have you found to be successful? Just who you are as a person because we're forever evolving, you know. Yeah. I, you know, like I even look back like, you know, somebody said to me is like when I was doing my personal training course, I was 112 kilos. Whoa. You know, 
I don't go around calling myself, you know, obese. You know, <laughs> Reformed now. obese yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't do that at all. You know, and I just think there's so much more... As people, there's there's so many different... Like, we're so complex. We're, we're so much more. Just like me, I'm not... I'm more than, you know, what I do and all that sort of stuff. We all have so many different interests and parts of ourselves. And that shouldn't just be the only focus. I feel like it puts us in a bubble, puts us in scarcity. But it's also like a comfort thing. So then when we do fuck up or we do have a relapse, it's like, yeah, that's, that's normal because I'm an addict. Or I'm not allowed to do that because I'm an addict. I don't think like that because I'm an addict. I have to not socialize and go see these people because I'm an addict. I can't, you know, travel and get a good job or do this because I'm an addict. It's it's literally just a limitation on your growth. And I think as we grow, as we evolve, we, like it doesn't, it literally does not serve its purpose except for the only purpose is like when you relapse and you're like, yep, this is what happens. I'm an addict. And that's why I need to be like this. I think the words I am before anything is so powerful because it literally shapes your experience and your identity. Mm. So many people identify with I am depressed, I am this. They might be experiencing depression. The same as they might have been addicted to an addictive substance, but they're not an addict because, as you said, it's very limiting. They're Mm. stuck with that belief and it's going to follow them as long as they identify that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it just comes with so much baggage. And if you've really done the work, like why there's holding that baggage like what purpose does that do for you like you know and i think that's what you you got to also come to the realization like what does that do for for you like does calling yourself and labeling um you know we did with this really you know cool exercise in in my program and it was like wh- what are the benefits that you get from actually being an addict you know like thinking about it differently like do you get out of things do you get more love from your parents you know all these sort of stuff like what like what's the benefits of calling yourself that you know why are you holding on to that and actually doing the really inner deep deep work on it of like okay why am i actually holding on to this like do i get more love from my family my mom my dad my brother by identifying as an addict like do i get out of Christmas presents do i get out of responsibilities do i get out of paying for bills like you know do are people more lenient towards me like do they not put as much stress do they help me out more do i get more love you know so really just understanding yourself or the role that you're playing by identifying yourself with that and then doing the really deep work with that and releasing that as well and and you know show yourself um that you can still you know receive love from certain people by not being you know associated with calling yourself a drug addict because i've had it in the past like parents have come in and you know when their child is sick or an addict they'll get coffee catch-ups they'll get money they'll get love they'll get the text messages all that sort of stuff once the child's you know clean and no longer using drugs no more coffee catch-ups no more money because they work now they 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 barely text and all this sort of stuff wow but that child is craving that extra connection and the only way unconsciously to get that is by falling back into like being an addict or being sick or being that troubled child because that's how they know unconsciously how to draw more love from that parent so yeah based on what you said it seems like finding healthy positive ways to fulfill the needs that are being filled with the addiction needs to be mm. identified because yeah. there were so, as you said they're listing positive things that come with their addiction or from being an addict whether it's support from parents or connection or whatever it may be if they don't fill that void, they're probably going to fall back into it. Yeah, yeah, always. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot of work to do, but it's discovery. 
it's it's discovery and you know I, I always tell people as well like that I work with it doesn't have to be so serious because you're discovering more parts of yourself which would be exciting because you're exploring you're learning you're you're healing you're learning different parts of you know oh shit like this is what I do when this has happened oh my god I just realized I've been playing this role in my life you know I've been playing out this dynamic or whatever it is and you know this this should be exciting because the more awareness that you can bring into your you know your consciousness um the more you're gonna see your shit <laughs> yeah and, and see what you're doing well i think based on what you said as well who are they once they're not an addict like once they let that label go and i've had this conversation with people whether they identify with their career mm. or as a parent or whatever it is who are you other than that title that you give yourself? Yeah. So I guess they can decide who they are and learn to love themselves and appreciate themselves for who they are once they've freed themselves from that stigma and that label. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's like who are you? Or like or why can't you be more? Yeah. Like, why can't we add more on top of that? You know, like, you know, I, I don't walk around and be like, you know, I didn't see you today and be like, hey, hey man, my, my name's Glenn, I'm an author, or hey man, my name's Glenn I'm I'm a basketballer or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, so there's there's just, yeah, like, you know, why do we have to add add that? Or or what can we add more to that? Like, you know, if you find it hard to release that, okay, so let's 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 add more identities onto top. Like, what else is there? It's not just that. You know, there's so much more to, to you as a person. So, um, yeah, it needs to Human go. potential truly is limitless, and I guess you can yeah. be multi multifaceted. You are potentially a basketballer. <laughs> <laughs> you are an author and a great AOD counsellor, <laughs> but I guess you don't have to be limited to any, like a couple of things. You can be so many things. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So, um, and, and that's just by exploring and discovering and being open to what the world has to offer because if you just kind of stay in your little bubble, um, you you're missing out on on that growth or you're missing out on so many experiences that you can learn from and, and, and grow from as well. So it's something that I always encourage is, you know, go go explore and do the things that you've always wanted to do and don't let don't let your past or the shitty things that you've done like kill kill your future. There's, there's so much. You know, like if I you know, I laugh at it now, like at twenty one I was like going, Oh, you know, I fucked up my life and all that sort of stuff. Like when a twenty one year old comes in my program and says that now, I literally laugh because 'cause I'm like, You're you're twenty, like, what are you talking about? Um, so yeah, there's just there's still so much life ahead to be lived. So with everything you've done, I love this unique approach that you've taken to well-being, if you like, for anyone. It could be applicable to anyone, everything that you said. Yeah. But these support services weren't available for you when mm-hmm. you went through your transitional period. Yeah. What separated you from the other people that couldn't pull through? What was the key difference in your mindset which got you to this point? I guess I'm a, I'm a big... I think a lot. <laughs> yeah. Big thinker. I'm, I'm always... Um, always looking at everyone's perception like i just think differently like sometimes i i do my fiance's head in because i'm i always like if someone's thinking this way i'm like yeah but what happens if you know um so I, I i do think from all different perspectives as well i guess for me it's like i knew deep down inside there was more um you know i knew that i could be more i i knew there had to be more than than this um and just you know from being fucking sick and tired of it you know like like just over everything um everything that i'd been through and what i was going through being over it it was just sort of just 
you know, looking for more, knowing that I could be better, knowing that I, you know, that I needed to change my life and um, knowing that, you know, obviously I couldn't be selling drugs and, you know, everything had come crashing down. And I was like, fuck, I, I need to start living my life. So, you know, it started with training and moving my body around and, you know, getting back into running and weights and all that sort of stuff. And, and as I was training, I was thinking more clearer. Um, I was connecting back to, I guess, my heart my soul like who I was as a person um and then I guess one thing just led to another I was like okay I want to learn more of this I want to do this I want to you know all that sort of stuff um and it was just I guess a part part of my my growth of just being I guess um you know curious to learning curious to you know being better and 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 wanting to have have a better life you know as such as well but I guess never giving up you yeah. know um you know because things you know it's 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 life you know things do ha- happen and i think sometimes you know people think that a relapse is the be all and end all um i do not agree with that at all it's a stepping stone i think it's a lesson and it's like how we learn from the mistakes or the the trip ups that we have like you know what what have i learned in this situation right now um and then yeah, just I guess, just kind of yeah, just going from there, man. But um, well, your mindset is obviously benefiting a lot of people. How many people have you had in the program so far? Oh, in the program, uh, I've worked with a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. How many do you have at any one time? So at the moment, I've got two groups. Um, so two groups will have six people in each group. Um, and then I've got online stuff. So I run online programs and then I've got one-on-ones as well. So, um, yeah. So yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a bit at the, like, you know, at the moment, probably, probably between 25 to 30 clients yeah. w- within that, you know, for that. Um, but then, you know, when you run workshops and, you know, um, online programs or yeah, stuff like that. So yeah. where do they go at the end of the 10 month program? Um, do they stick with you? Do you have like a community that they can be a part of? Do they just keep their gym membership? How does it work? Yeah, like so, so some of them will stay stay gym, all that sort of stuff. Um, I keep in contact with with a lot of lot of them because obviously when you go through something so personal, you you become friends essentially because you know they're sharing their heart, I'm sharing mine, and it's a very personal, I guess, journey. So people that I've known for years you, you probably wouldn't even have that connection that you've grown that 10 month because of you know how much you share of each other um so yeah like some some continue on um some might even go for another round for the program you know literally just for mindset accountability all that sort of stuff because they know that the stuff that we're doing in the program can apply to anyone um you know and it's all mindset stuff so why not um and others might just yeah do a gym or they might be traveling so far so they they continue on by you know going to gym all that sort of stuff but you know a, a lot of people do definitely keep in contact and stuff like that and you know you, you get invited to weddings and birthdays and you know all that sort of stuff so yeah it's amazing the relationships you're developing you're literally changing lives so on mm. that topic i know i've read some of the testimonials and they were amazing just in some of your posts that you've done what are without going into detail or naming names what are some success stories that you can sort of put out there um yeah heaps come to mind yeah heaps man so um 
like you know, for instance, like last night, um, I got I got Vaughn at the moment. Anyway, he won't want to mention his name, but um, he helps out with the program. So I met him three years ago, um, and he was literally out on bail. So his parents came for an information night, and you know when he came in, he was you know off his head, um, and you know he said he, he really wanted to change all that sort of stuff, and and he was he was pretty bad, um, and the thing is. He was outside of the age bracket. Like, he was only 33 at the time, but I was like, oh, you know, usually it's between, you know, whatever. But he really wants to change. So I'm like, all right, sweet, let's just do it. Uh, but, yeah, no, he's changed his life now. Um, he's do- done heaps of courses, community services, mental health, drugs and alcohol. Um, he's one of our coaches now within the program. Um He's done massive, massive things. Um, people have gone off and had kids, um, got married, gone back to school, um, got their kids back. Um, there's just so many. Like sometimes I even f- forget because you know people will reach out, like we'll do a fundraiser and be like, "Hey man, thank you so much." And I'm like, "Oh fuck!" Like you know, I forgot that that you know that person maybe done the program right at the start. But yeah. There's, there's just there's just so many like you know but it's all about I guess you know them them living their lives now like you know really just being happy you know um, doing the things that they've wanted to do go back to school go back to uni um, even sharing their stories going in their communities and you know being the leader of their community and showing them what what's possible and what they can overcome and, and achieve with a good mindset um, and and a, and a healthy one um, so yeah there's yeah there's there's quite there's, yeah there's a lot and then you've got people that have read the books as well that I've never met in person what's the book what's the title of your book uh, so two books so my first book is called Drugs Do Not Discriminate um, which is all about so when I first wrote the book like I was you know doing the program and people had seen all the success on Facebook and stuff like that so people were like oh you know why don't you bring the program in Sydney or Adelaide or Queensland and I was like, yeah, I'd love to, but I didn't fucking know how. <laughs> um, so I was like, all right, um, I, if I was going to write a book, I want it to be um, interactive. I don't want it just, I just don't want people to read and go, oh, that was nice, and then close it. So I put together my five fundamentals or five things that I thought um, were the best things that helped me overcome my addiction. Um, and then I put that into an interactive um, book where people can write like they journal they write their affirmations there's there's questions you know so my my first fundamental is called going back to your roots um and you know i talk about my story i talk about how i was 112 kilos i was lost i just got out of the um jail cell and i was like fuck i need to change my life but i forgot who i was as a person i literally didn't know what i liked anymore um and I was, I was very, very lost. But I remember as a kid, I absolutely loved little athletics um, and I had Victorian records and all that sort of stuff. So I was like, okay, let me do something with, with sports. So I enrolled into personal training. You know, it was like, oh, I remember I used to like doing that. So it was, it was like, okay, if you're finding yourself lost and all that sort of stuff, what are the things that you used to like doing before the addiction, before the mental health, before all the barriers that we put in our head? What did you used to love doing? no matter what it was, even if it's like yoga, writing music, singing, dancing, whatever, and then just start doing that every day. And then when we do that every day, say it's just for an hour, at least it's like one hour where you feel feel free, you feel limitless, you feel happy, you feel connected, and then you do it the next day, and then you do it the next day. Then at the end of the week, you essentially got seven hours of, you know, you really doing the things that you love or you being true to yourself and then just seeing what your mind expands from there. Um, you know, so... 
similar stuff like that. So um, that's my first um, book. And then my um, my second book is called I Quit Drugs, Now What? And that was literally when I did my tour, like I was saying before, and every, everyone, like majority of people would come to my talks and introduce themselves as drug addicts. I was like, what is going on? Um, so I literally wrote that book. Um, I think it was about six months after, like I was on tour and I was like, I need to get this second book out because I need to just really, and that's just all about identity. Like, you know, your, your, your purpose, like how, how does your, um, your identity, does your identity match up to, to where you're going or your values? Do, do your values match up to where you're going? Does, you know, do the people in your life match up to your values? Does, um, do, do your thoughts match up to your values? Do your actions match up to your values? Um, and then also looking about, looking at your, your identity as a person, you know, if you're no longer using drugs, then who are you as a person or what, what are some things that you can start doing to start working on your identity as well? Um, you know, and, and one of the, you know, big things that I put on the back as well is just like, you know, whether I'm using drugs or not, I'm still a drug addict. Like that, you know, that, that kind of doesn't make sense to me. So, you know, just kind of looking at it at a different a- aspect um, of that. So, yeah, that's that's the books. Well, I guess anyone should be trying to live by their values and be authentic in some respect. Mm. And everyone's values may be different. Obviously, there's a lot of commonalities like contribution, connection, freedom is another value. But a lot of people aren't even living in alignment with their values. Mm. And that's where a lot of this discomfort comes from. Yeah. So you're addressing these issues, which I think are imperative for people to have long-term sobriety because yeah. I love the title of your book. Where do they go from there? Mm. Like they have to build a future and decide who they want to be and what they want to aspire to, who they want to associate with. Yeah. They pretty much get to design their life from scratch, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, it is, it's about, yeah, building and living a life full of purpose, uh, full of love, full of happiness. Um, you know, and, and when we do, you know, all the value work, doing drugs doesn't align to anyone's values like it, it literally doesn't so um that's that's what people need to understand you know if you're holding on to that identity how does you know how does that match up to your values as an actual person um and it doesn't there's no room for it so um you know i i think people need to just be you know i guess real with themselves or, you know are you living your life according to you know what what you value as a, as a person, what your soul, you know, like who you are inside here, inside your heart. So, um, and I strongly believe that people that are, that are using or, you know, just, just like essentially killing themselves aren't connected to, to their heart, aren't connected to their values, aren't connected to their soul, because if you were, you wouldn't look for a reason to escape. So, yeah, I think, I think, yeah. So many people are trying to escape lives, and that's not just for people that are addicts. It can be anything. They're looking mm. for some form of maladaptive coping strategy that gets out of control. Yeah. So I was under the impression that addiction, a lot of it stems from avoiding pain. So the pain of what they're avoiding initially, why they're looking for that escape, that coping strategy, the pain of the consequences because of their behavior, things yeah. they might have messed up, and the pain of withdrawal. So mm. how can they overcome that? Because I imagine the transition at the, at the beginning, it's not fun yeah yeah no it's it's definitely not not fun so um you know i think if you if you put yourself before that in terms of you know if you put yourself your heart your soul 
bigger than the pain, bigger than the addiction, all that sort of stuff in terms of self-worth and who you are as a person. Like, you deserve to be happy or you you're, you are more than that, then you will kind of, like, go go through that because, like, essentially they're growing pains to get you to where you need to be. Love that growing pains. Great um, analogy. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it is. It's very, very painful and it's unbearable. But if you keep doing what you're doing, it's just going to create more pain. So, you know, if, if you go the other way is in terms of like working yourself, all that sort of stuff, it's it's discovery, all that sort of stuff. But but you do break free. Um, whereas, you know, if you keep doing the shit that you're doing, you know, what I, even what I say in my first book, like it literally goes down three paths, jail, psych ward, or in a cemetery, um, eventually. Yeah. yeah, well, it's not very successful outcome not a desirable outcome for anyone when you put it that way it makes it seem kind of silly that people would still pursue this so does it come down to poor self-worth is this is that an element why they're going through this struggle and self-destruction yeah like traumas um self-worth you know pain yeah just stuff that i guess um that that individual has experienced um and then yeah just 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 working working on that but you know i tell people as well if there's a way in there's always a way out i think sometimes you know when we're so deep in it we think that there's no way out um you know but you've just really got to i guess take each day as it comes um you know and and it it's not easy um it's it, it can be hard and challenging but it will literally be the best thing that you do in your life and it'll be something that you'll laugh and smile about and and be so proud of because you know in the back of your mind you're like if i can overcome this then then i like i'm 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 ready to fucking take on whatever so yeah Yeah, i love that mate. it's very inspiring i think it's going to motivate a lot of people i agree with all the values that you're outlining and i think the interventions are fantastic i just wish it was available for so many young people many years ago that were struggling yeah so if people wanted to get in touch with you now and be part of this program what would they do um so yeah people just hit me up on my facebook or my website um and then yeah literally yeah just message me and just um organize the the meeting first um and then we just kind of go from there like obviously i show them around we have a chat and we see if it's going to be a good fit because my program is it's a collaborative thing like we're working together as a team so is that is in your staff that work for you or the clients or the people that are doing the program so the clients it, it has to like because you know like let's just say like you you were one of my clients like if we didn't gel then how could we spend 10 months together working through stuff as well it's got to be a collaborative thing so how often do they see you over that 10 month period oh pretty much every day so um except for friday and sunday but so the people in the program will get two counseling mentoring sessions per week Um, individual so group so groups of six um and then they will get like gym so you got gym um classes we've got semi pt so weights and all that sort of stuff um and then we've got like a boxing class as well so they can literally come every day um except for yeah sunday friday um and then obviously we add on a lot of you know one-on-ones and extra stuff as well so we'll do like check so we call them check-ins um so we'll have check-ins with them one-on-one individually see how they're going in their life what do they need more um you know just really good check-in questions for them to keep asking themselves as well even for later you know am i happy right now like how am i actually feeling um you know um and just i guess just checking in 
with themselves and making sure that you know they're feeling supported with, with whatever they're going through as well you know what, like what are the things that are stopping my growth right now or you know what what do I one of the biggest questions you know and I even ask myself this you know, what what do I need right now um, you know that's always something that I check in with the guys as well so they get that one on one stuff as well and then yeah we kind of go from there but if they do need extra work we're like, like I tell them from the start like we're here we got your back this is a team thing we're doing this together um, so yeah let's let's do it on that you mentioned that there's certain things people might face along the way and you, you offer this extra support what are the common obstacles that people face when they're going through this transitional period 10 months is a long time to be committed to changing your life most mm. people's new year's resolutions last two weeks at best yeah, and yeah, yeah. they completely stop so like <laughs> that's a very it's a difficult process so yeah. what obstacles would they face um, so first of all, like I told them not to look at it like, fuck, 10 months, that's ages, all that sort of stuff. So you just think of it like a, you know, like let's just say for me, like, you know, i got basketball every Thursday night. I don't go, oh, the season's six months. Like <laughs> finals is in April, like, you know, all that sort of stuff. Or, you know, we just got to look at it as this is something that's integrated into our lifestyle, into our routine. Like, you know, I go to gym a couple of times a week, whatever, you know, same thing like that. So I tell them, you know, re- remove that, like, this is just something that you're doing to give back to yourself every day, you know, a space where you go at the end of work to decompress and, you know, feel stress-free, all that sort of stuff. Um, obstacles that come along the way, obviously, relapse. Um, relapse can happen, um, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, unresolved um, traumas, mental health, you know, because life, we never just go straight up. Mm-hmm. Life is always up and down, up and down for anyone. So it's building the skills and the tools on how to be resilient in those situations. So instead of, you know, feeling stressed and overwhelmed, it's like instead of running to drugs to escape, now it's like stopping, breathing and navigating. Okay, what am I feeling right now? What do I need to do? Do, you need, do I need to go for a walk? Do I need to breathe through this? Do I need to journal a all for this like you know why am i feeling angry like what's playing out and learning and discovering more about yourself as a person as well so the 10 months is is good because there's so many ups and downs um you know i've had clients you know they'll smash it you know 10 months and be good and then something happens you know they fly too high um but you and then the other way around it might be really really bad and then it all just clicks in and integrates and it's like a light bulb moment so um I just tell everyone just to take it in their step, like, you know, just, just like life, like, you know, you're going to gym, you're chilling, you're hanging out, and then we're, we're, we're learning about ourselves. So, you know, don't worry about, like, how, how long it is, just enjoy it as well. So. Solid advice, Glenn. Well, that pretty much wraps it up. We are out of time. I thoroughly enjoyed the chat, and I'll no, definitely thanks, be man. having you back in the future, mate. <laughs> really enjoyed it. So people can find you on Facebook, the Youth U Program. Yep, so Youth U Program. Um, so, yeah, if you use Facebook slash Youth, then Y-O-U Program, um, and then website, youthuprogram.com. Okay, so for anyone listening, next week we have Lauren Smith, who is a Transcendental Meditation Coach. If you have any questions, send them through, and I'll speak to you next week. Thanks again, Glenn. Thanks, man. Hi, this is Matt Joe Gale, and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So check out Radio Karam. Tune in. Oi, oi. Oi, oi, 
IGA is shopping nights. IGA, where the price is right. Seaford North IGA for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker.